You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello, everyone. This is Connie, and welcome back to Awaken Radio. It is awesome to be here with you with another episode. And today I'm bringing you a really interesting conversation that I think will be incredibly supportive for so many of you and actually would have been a very supportive conversation for me to hear a few years ago uh, because today we're talking about going through change and transition in our lives when we're moving through periods of upheaval or different things happening in our world or within ourselves when we're going through changes and transformations. And I know when I've gone through these periods uh, through my life, and I've gone through them many times, they've created so much chaos and so much upheaval and stress and anxiety. And today's conversation is going to be so supportive because we're talking about how to move through these with peace and with grace and with ease and how to navigate these, these big periods in a very gentle and nurturing way. Now, the woman that I'm chatting to is going to give us so much insight on this, both through her own personal experiences and through a beautiful new course that she's created specifically around this. And I am speaking with Tali Ruyong, who is a music composer extraordinaire at Son Essence. She offers peace seekers an easy way to achieve calm with a sonic shortcut called Metatones. After going through many difficult changes, Tali created the gentle transition for other sensitive souls struggling with change. She also creates bespoke meditation music for other wellness entrepreneurs and hangs out on Instagram a lot, as do I. Welcome, Tali. It's beautiful to have you here. Thank you so much, Connie. Really great to be here, honey. So nice um, to be talking about this with you today because, as I just said, I don't think I've really fully gone into this topic much on Awaken Radio, but it has been such a huge theme of my life. And I know for a lot of people, you know, life isn't this really uh, sort of straightforward path anymore. A lot of us go through ups and downs and upheavals and feel like we're going backwards and then we're going forwards. And so we're going to have a really beautiful conversation around managing these types of periods. Um, but where I really want to begin with you is... Just going right back to understanding um, the work that you do, your journey, and what has really led you to the place that you are now, because I know music has been such a huge part of your work and your life, uh, and has, has taken many different shapes and forms along the way, and, and I also know that you've gone through personal and career changes and transformations as well and I'm sure music has played a role you know in all of that too so perhaps you can take us right back to the beginning point with where you really uncovered your love for music and and how that's transformed and and brought you now to where you are in the work that you do at the moment yeah sure oh gosh music has been a part of my life I think probably from the day I was born Um, both of my parents have a deep love of music so I sort of grew up surrounded by it and you know sang in choirs since I was about probably four or five years old Um, you know went through my whole life uh, learning instruments and um, playing music I was obsessed with it um, especially as a teenager Um, it was 
a really big guiding light for me during that very difficult transition <laughs> into uh, adulthood. And yeah, career-wise, I always wanted to do music. I went to university and did a degree in music. Um, yeah, I always thought that it would be uh, a part of my life, and in many ways it has. Um, and I actually had a business creating meditation music back uh, many, many years ago, probably about 15 years ago now. Uh, with a friend of mine and we worked for a very long time together and eventually I left that business and I actually did a complete 180 I mean talk about crazy transitions and I went corporate and I became an environmental project manager and I didn't write a single note of music for four years and that was like an existential crisis for me. Um, I didn't know who I was without music. I didn't think that I could be a musician anymore. I felt very burnt out from the industry. Um, and I was really struggling with a lot of loss and um, grief and confusion. And, you know, looking back on it now, I can see that that was probably around the time of what uh, people in our kind of uh, pathways would call the Saturn return. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really big one. And uh, slowly but surely, I started kind of gathering my wits about me again. And I felt really called to uh, help people uh, love their bodies and so I became a personal trainer and I quit my life as, as a corporate jockey and went and uh, worked in a couple of different gyms and I started a business called The Attitude Revolution which was all about self-love and mindset and uh, you know a positive attitude and Incredibly, that pathway led me back to music, which is just, it sounds so baffling, <laughs> but basically I was um, coaching some clients and I really wanted to give them something extra. And I had had this idea kicking around in my head for years, which was about creating personalized meditation music. And so I asked my clients, uh, you know, would you like something like this? And, of course, all of them said yes, which was really lovely. And so I started writing music. And one of those tracks became, eventually became Allied Forces, which is um, the first Meditones track I uh, released. And, yeah, that... That track was so magical. It really did come from somewhere else uh, and it, you know, resonated so beautifully with so many people that I ended up uh, closing down the Attitude Revolution to start Son Essence and now I'm back doing music full-time. Did you have to wrangle with a voice in your mind around, you know, these moments where we have to make these decisions like, wow, do I step away from something that I love? Because in this moment, I mean, I know it's right for me, but in this moment, it's not working. It doesn't feel right. Something's not flowing. Was there an internal battle or struggle around having to make some of these decisions? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people can attest to the fact that, you know, they can be their own worst enemy. And I certainly um, had a very, very strong inner critic uh, that, you know, we all still struggle with, I'm sure, and, and I still struggle with it. And at the time, I just felt so dried up and I just thought that it was impossible. I had this story that I couldn't be a musician, I couldn't make any money as a musician, um, I couldn't write music on my own. That was a terrible, terrible story that I told myself for years, um, you know, that I needed my business partner in order to write music because without her I was nothing. Um, and it took a long, long time to unravel those stories and realise that they were just that. They weren't true. And sometimes I feel that simply these periods are almost just times of preparation. Like, Would you feel that almost coming back to music now because mm -hmm. of the woman that you became through the different transitions and the different journeys, that now the place that you're at with your music is completely different. I mean, I can feel this through personal experiences where at times it felt like externally things were messy and chaotic, but the inner journey that was happening was so necessary to be prepared for actually what you really wanted to step into. Oh, 100%, Connie. That is so, so accurate. Um, Tara Moore was a great mentor to me during my period of transition into music and one of the things that she talks about in terms of callings is that you're not the person that you need to be in order to fulfil the calling. That is the purpose of the calling, mm. is to pull you into the person, to grow you into the person that you need to be in order to fulfil that destiny. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, that is so spot on because I've often shared with people that I got my first calling to be a life coach when I was 20, but mm. I didn't do my training until I was 29. And I often have judged that and been like, well, Connie, what were you doing for nine years? That was a waste of time. You could have been nine years into your career mm. by then. But you're exactly right. I feel like I was becoming the woman I needed to be. It was actually that calling was beckoning at me from a young age so I could rise into it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that is the point, I think, of transitions too, is to, um, you know, mould us and shape us and give us, you know, really important lessons in self-compassion and empathy and... Uh, you know, resilience and overcoming the inner critic and all that good, important spiritual work, um, there is a purpose. And when you're in the muck and the mire, it certainly doesn't feel like that. And that's okay. Um, it's when you come out of it that you can see, you know, the vision much more clearly. And I think you need to just hold on to that, have faith with that. Mm. So let's talk about an inner transition I mean you were mentioning this kind of satin return <laughs> at one point you know existential crisis dark yeah. night of the soul you know mm -hmm. a lot of us go through these and 
our mind is like, oh, you're a mess, you're a failure, you're in, you're in chaos, what's going on? Um, what what were you experiencing around that time? What did that inner uh, transition or, or confusion or whatever it felt like, what did that look like and feel like for you? Uh, it felt like a lot of confusion mm-hmm. um, and it felt like a loss of the self. But really looking back, what I could see was that it was a, or a, a loss of the ego or that sort of the birth of the loss of the ego, if you will, um, in realising that all of my identity had been wrapped up in music and without it, I really didn't know who I was. And through this period of, you know, of you know, dark nights of the soul and and spiritual awakenings, it can feel very dark and very discombobulating, Um, you know, that loss of like who am I and why am I here and this is what I thought I was meant to be doing but now I'm not and it's all just so, so painful. Um, But the great thing about pain is that it makes you aware and I think it's a really great opportunity in those times to really go deep into spiritual practices. So if you're in a transition and it's like really, you're really early on in your transformation and you really haven't had a lot to do with spirituality or, you know, um, personal development or anything like that, this is the time this is your opportunity to actually explore those things and find out, well, what is this consciousness business all about really? And then if you are further along in your journey and you've, you know, you've got a few sort of spiritual notches on your belt, a tough transition is a really great time to go even deeper. And that's what I think the pain isn't there to punish you. The pain isn't there because you've made a mistake or you've done something wrong or you're broken, the pain is there to make you aware. Mm. And so sometimes we do manifest almost um, challenges or chaos or things not working or flowing Mm. externally to kind of draw us internally, right? Yes, I think sometimes we can through our own sort of, of, you know, patterns. And I also think that, you know, life is chaotic. Um, It's not just you in the driver's seat, you know, we inhabit a planet of, what is it, like 7 billion people now? Um, That's chaotic. And, you know, sometimes really terrible things happen to good people for no real reason other than, you know, life, really. But that doesn't mean you can't find grace within that tragedy you know sometimes lessons we bring upon ourselves and sometimes they come along and it's still just an opportunity to practice presence and compassion and love Mm. so how did you support yourself through that dark period oh golly well During that time, the musicless days, (laughs) Mm. um, I I actually had a therapist uh, and she was really, really wonderful. And um, 
I am a big advocate for support networks. I think it's really important to identify your allies and find the people around you who want good things for you, who can lead you and support you um, with integrity. Um, and they're really good mirrors. <laughs> mm. They're really good mirrors. Yeah. So being able to say to people, I need help and support, because I think sometimes mm -hmm. we can, I don't know, I mean, from my experience of going through these periods, it's a very vulnerable feeling to mm. reach out to people, particularly people in your life. You know, I understand if we see therapists and coaches, but sometimes the nearest and dearest to you are harder to sort of say to someone, I'm going through a hard period or I'm finding this tough and I need support. Mm. Yeah. It is so important and, and you're right, it is hard because it's the ultimate vulnerability, isn't mm. it? That that feeling of like of shame and like, you know, am I going to be rejected or laughed at or humiliated in some way because of what I'm going through? And yet again that you know as Brene Brown says vulnerability is the birthplace of connection um, if I think about like my friends and I think about how much I love them and if I consider that they if they were going through a dark night of the soul and I had no idea about it I'd be devastated I'd be so sad and and hurt that they couldn't reach out I'd be like what do you mean <laughs> like of course I would have been there for you and so if you kind of flip that around and you think if you would do anything for your friend who is in pain and you would help them and support them in you know whatever way that you could then of course that's going to be true of them I'm sure that there will be people in your life that you know will have your back. Mm. And it's not it's not failure and it's not that anything has gone wrong. I remember actually flying home to Melbourne last year when I was I was going through a lot of different things personally and I, I got mm -hmm. off the plane and just burst into tears instantly mm -hmm. to my mom and I just said I'm just not holding it together right now. Like I need mm. you guys. I, I need to come home and I need you to cook for me and I need <laughs> you to take care of me yeah. because I'm just I'm just not coping with this. I was going through a big inner transition and it's it was similar to what you described of um, becoming a little bit disillusioned with my passion and feeling mm. the energy kind of drying up and feeling very scared about the fact that the one thing I'd always wanted and loved I just wasn't feeling anymore and mm. I was like this is terrifying exactly the same as you I was like if I'm not a life coach who the hell am I mm. um, and to be able to go home and initially it was terrifying for my family because I think a lot of people get used to us we all wear facades like a mask of like I'm happy all the time and life's great and sometimes then people see you in your raw vulnerability and, and it can be quite confronting for them if they haven't seen it before. But I think the freedom that comes from being just real about this stuff is so mm. liberating. It really, really is. And if you let it, it will bring you closer together. Mm. And I'm sure that, you know, 
uh, leaning on one another is is hard for everybody, but you do, I think, forge deeper connections because of it. If you reach out to someone and you say, I'm really not coping, um, please help. Mm. Um, And even if that person can't personally help you, like they don't know what to do, perhaps they can help you find someone who can. Maybe they can help you find a coach or, you know, go, uh, I don't know, to, you know, with you to the doctors or like whatever it is that you need or even just going for a walk along the beach together and and pouring your heart out. I mean, that is, that's our tender humanity. Mm. And you've touched on connection and I I know that your your work even focuses a lot on people's connection with themselves too. Mm. What role uh, does that inner connection, that connection with a higher power and our trust in that, mm. what role has that played in supporting you to move through these kind of periods? Oh, it's crucial. It's It was absolutely vital for me to learn trust in myself and in my, you know, intuition um, in a, you know, my higher self, in a higher power. Um, I had, I knew I had a strong intuition from a pretty young age and I really rejected it. I rejected it for a long, long time. Um, and yet the funny thing about intuition is I was never wrong. (laughs) Um, so I think, the the big transition that that really brought me to my knees that really kind of cemented that um, reconnection to my spirit um, was my divorce, and you know those those first few days and weeks after the the split happened, you know I was it's such a painful time for everybody, you know I was grief stricken and I was so empty that. I felt like I was just, like I, I felt this inner scrambling, like I was falling and I just needed something to hold on to. And all of a sudden these, you know, practices that I had been doing, which was, you know, meditating and, and journaling and, you know, doing tarot readings every now and then, all of a sudden they kind of came into much clearer focus and they became my touchstone and I did them with like almost religious fervor Mm. um and like I was saying before like you go deeper like you go deeper into that spiritual path and it really really helped me um forge that uh trust and that surrender and presence and being able to feel feelings without being overwhelmed by them and you know all of the beautiful things that those strong spiritual um, rituals give us Mm. Mm. isn't it funny how i think relationship breakups Mm. can be the biggest catalyst for us refinding ourselves um (laughs) <laughs> yes. because we don't realize our attention's sort of gone all on that person and we've actually forgotten well hang on um did you did you, was that a really big wake up for you when that relationship ended to be like oh whoa hang on I didn't even realize my connection with myself had been wavering a little oh it was huge it was absolutely huge and you know particularly toward the end I feel like I had really lost myself in the relationship 
Um, and I feel like a lot of sort of sensitive empaths that I talk to, you know, really um, feel that same way, that they've sort of, the, the edges of their identity have been completely merged with someone else and then, and you split from that person. And, you know, my partner and I, we met when I was 21 and we were together for 12 years. Like it was, I just did not know who I was as an adult without him. Um, so to really kind of go, well, hang on a minute, like what do I like to do? And how do I want to like plan out my days? And, you know, who am I again? <laughs> was quite um, quite an interesting exercise. And I really do feel like it was a catalyst for self-empowerment. Mm. I remember the same thing. I, I came out of a three and a half year relationship, which was very loving, but probably without realizing a bit codependent. Yeah. And I remember when the relationship ended, I was the same. There was grief and there was all this stuff. But I remember thinking, crap, I don't know how to support myself. I didn't realize how much I depended on him for everything. And without him there, I thought, how do I care for me? How do I support me? I'd get to the weekends and be like, what do I even enjoy? Because I was just <laughs> used to everything being about him. Yes. Um, and as much as those experiences are traumatic, mm. wow, when you look back in hindsight, once the pain is gone and you mm. see what you learned about yourself as a result, then you really get to understand why we go through this stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think it is true when you lose a partner, particularly when you've been in relationship for a long time, and, and I would say three and a half years is a, is a good crack, mm. um, it, it is hard to know kind of what to do with yourself. And, you know, I was the same, like weekends would come along and I was just, I'd be like, well, what do I do? What do I do with myself? Because I, I had this person that I did everything with. He was my best friend. And anytime we wanted to go somewhere or do anything, it was just agreed that we would go together. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, what, <laughs> where do I go and what do I do? And, and sort of learning to be able to be independent and really kind of, yeah, forge that sense of identity and, um, yeah, feel self-empowered again. Um, was a really big stage of growth and I feel like has actually allowed me to flourish. Mm. And going back to what we're talking about here about then connecting with yourself when we're mm. sort of used to the connecting outwards and, and coming back to connecting in, I saw something really beautiful you'd written on your uh, website which was, I believe that we are all here for connection and what causes suffering from internal to global is a sense of separation. Hmm. But when you transform your brain to be more peaceful, you feel connected. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about this? When you transform your brain to be more peaceful, you feel connected. Mm -hmm. Well, I just think... So I'll give you a, a little bit of a story. You know, when, you know, you're walking through the city and you're just in your head and everything is grey and dark and miserable and you're thinking about how much you hate your job or how you 
you know, how angry you are at your partner or how you wish you weren't single or how like whatever it is that's going on for you and you're just angry and sad and miserable and everything around you, you notice the the litter on the ground and you notice that it's kind of cloudy and or it's way too hot or it's way too cold and everything is just awful and you feel alone, completely alone in this crowd of people and you just think what is the point like who are all these people I feel so alone I feel so isolated and disconnected and miserable and then you start to do the inner work and you start to realize that oh I have this inner critic I have this voice in my head that tells me terrible things about myself and blocks me from actually reaching out and it and it stops me from doing what I want and speaking my truth and feeling good about myself and feeling safe in my body. And then slowly but surely you start to access these little kind of pockets of peace in your mind and in your body and you start to feel a little bit more expansive and you start to look around and you notice things are a little bit brighter and and happier and you start to hear the birds singing and you, you look at a stranger and they smile at you and you start to go through life with this inner radiance and all of a sudden you feel like everyone could be a best friend if you just got to know them. And that's kind of how I feel about connection. I feel that when you are connected internally to that deep core of peace that is at the center of it all, you look around and you start to see the beauty and the grace and the connection everywhere. And in my experience, you no longer feel alone. Mm. And I, oh, it, that, you described that so beautifully because I think what most of us think you know, finding that happiness and peace is, is, is let me try to fix all the stuff about the world that I don't like. So on this mm. gray day and these people are annoying me and this is going, this is going on, people mm. are thinking, well, I'll just get a new job and then mm. I'll just go fix up my body and then the inner critic will stop mm. or I'll go, I'll go on the dating app and just get a new guy or maybe <laughs> I need a, a promotion. And and we sort of want to immediately think, well, how can I fix the stuff I don't like? But I love you know, your conversation, what you're saying is exactly what I teach too, which is, mm. no, 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 the world changes when you change. So you come yes. inwards and do the inner work and then things start to shift. Absolutely. And the way that I know that is true is that when you strive for something and you get what you want, how long did that happiness last for? Mm. Like were you... Were you happy when you got it? Were you happy when you got the new job? Yeah, okay, great. Then how long did it last until you were thinking, ah, now I think I need something else to change? Mm. And you're so right. The world doesn't change until you do. And, in fact, um, you know, one of my favourite books uh, is Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Um, you know, such a revolutionary idea of really, really changing your thoughts about what is mm. yeah mm. Byron Katie she is phenomenal like <laughs> I could watch that woman on YouTube all day I just love her I think yep. if I was going to turn for anyone it would be Byron Katie oh, <laughs> I yeah. just love her but yep. that premise that idea 
loving what is mm. acceptance mm-hmm. that's I think that eases so much of the suffering because I, I think would you be right would, would I be right in saying and, and what your kind of premise is behind this gentle transition idea of, of what you're teaching is it's really only our resistance to what is that causes so much of the struggle right oh absolutely and you know resistance is such a huge trap because feeling like something shouldn't be happening when it is is mm, hell it it's is isn't absolute it? hell and, you know, at the beginning of, of my separation, I railed against that, like, really, really badly. It was not my choice. I refused to let it to be true. And everything felt wrong. And I kept having to really, really practice surrender and presence. And in those moments where I could get to that point of going, you know, it's okay, soothe, like really soothe my nervous system down, um, you know, stop future tripping and, and fretting and worrying about everything that I had no idea about what was coming and no control over. It felt like I had no control over it. So really kind of stopping and dropping down, you know, meditating like crazy <laughs> um, really, really helped me stay in the present moment. And so much of our suffering comes because we're not being present because we're either full of regret or we're worrying about the future and you know when you stop and look around in this moment i i am actually okay like i have everything i need and and this is life now this is it Mm. and it's the judgment too like what you mentioned before that something's wrong and this shouldn't be happening I, I remember when I was going through my breakup one of the most healing things that I did was practice acceptance mm. and I remember I just kept saying to myself out loud I know you don't like this mm. but it's happening so mm-hmm. just accept it. You don't have to like it. You don't <laughs> have to agree. You mm. don't have to in this moment believe it is the right thing. But it's happening. So just accept it. It's what is happening in this moment. And when I could drop out of the this shouldn't be happening and I don't want this to happen and make it go away and push against it and try to fix it and mm. just be like, yeah, this feels really shitty, but mm. it's mm. happening and that's okay. Mm. There's, there's peace in that. There is peace in that. And I think you've touched on something really, really important, which is um, it's okay for it to be shitty. Mm. And, you know, I think f- even resisting feelings is a trap mm. because, you know, I, I heard the term pinkwashing, which I really, really liked. And it's this idea that just kind of putting a positive spin on any, on everything <laughs> is also not great because sometimes things hurt and sometimes things feel really, really horrible and shitty and not allowing yourself to honour those feelings um, is a form of resistance. And so, yeah, I think surrender does really soften soften things. It does allow us to um, have more peace in the present moment. Um, but in my experience, surrender is the last thing that comes. Acceptance is the last stage. And first, the first stage is feeling the feelings and soothing the nervous system and going, you know, everything feels so wrong right now and that's okay, just shh, 
it's okay, it's okay. And telling yourself what you said before was so beautiful, like I know this feels shitty. You don't have to not feel shitty. You don't have to try and fix it. Everything's going to be okay. Mm. 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 And so meditation, you've touched on that as mm. being a massive part of it. Um, mm. Can you tell me about the metatones that you've created? What's the sort of, what's special about those that, that makes such a, has such an impact on the nervous system? Oh, gosh, I love metatones so much. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about them is that um, they're really great for beginners because they stimulate relaxed neural pathways. So what I mean by that is when you uh, listen to them with headphones, the meditones effect only works in headphones, um, the brain responds in a different way to normal sound. And what it does is it matches the frequency of the vibration of those tones. And you can actually track it on an EEG. It's quite incredible. And the brain will start synchronizing and you can tune the brain down into those really deep meditative meditative states very effortlessly so when your nervous system is totally freaking out and you've just got this cascade of toxic chemicals of adrenaline and cortisol running through your system sometimes it's very very hard to sit still and meditate especially if you don't have a strong practice uh, at the beginning and, and look I've been meditating for years and you know during the days after my divorce I was I had my headphones on twice a day I can tell at least um, because I just it just allowed me to get into that lovely soft space just by putting on my headphones or lying on my bed um, and then it also once you get those relaxed neural pathways start strengthening through the meditones. Um, it's really great for experienced meditators because it helps you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it helps you deepen your practice. So if you're already practicing Vipassana or uh, Transcendental Meditation, you can still use Meditones to help you kind of go even further in your um, very active meditation practice. You know, you're exactly right. When you're in a chaotic time or when you've got all this emotion, the last thing you want to do is sit still and meditate. It's just you just want to avoid it at all costs. And you're like, I don't want to sit with how I feel. I just want to make this thing go away. So that's a, I love the, the premise of, of it, the music actually just almost reprogramming your brainwaves. Yes, exactly. How beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've also created this course, The Gentle Transition. Mm. What, are, what are you teaching people through that? I love that idea of, because, you know, from what you and I have shared, most of our transitions have been far from gentle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine is, you know, last year I moved house three times in three months and oh, that was not gentle. Funny, right. <laughs> my, my poor base chakra. I had to meditate on my base chakra like every day. I was on... Um, Belinda Davidson's chakra meditation like three yeah. times a day I was like yeah. let me sort this out um so what how do you teach people this idea of moving through these things in a gentle way mm, absolutely um well basically it, it all really just stemmed from my own personal practice I sort of you know developed this little framework um you know like I said after after the separation happened I, I had this little kind of practice, this little framework that I clung to. 
And then uh, I also moved house a lot last year. I actually moved four times, not in four months, uh, not in four <laughs> months, thank goodness. But still, uh, one of them was interstate. Uh, so I live in Melbourne now. And I left behind all of my family and many, many of my friends. And um, I got here and I was like, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? I just, I felt so homesick and I really didn't expect this to happen at all. I'd wanted to move to Melbourne for a very long time. I was finally here and I thought that it was meant to be great. I thought this transition was going to be exciting and, and you know, wonderful and life-changing. And all of a sudden I was like completely doubting myself and and all this stuff started coming up again, all this, you know, grief and confusion and loss. And I was like, oh, that's right. I just need to do that thing again. I just need to do the thing that I did last time in the transition and, you know, just ease into it. And... Uh, and it helped a lot and really the steps for me were, again, soothing the nervous system, creating those rituals that really anchor me into my power and into my intuition, um, the sort of deeply spiritual practices, and then crafting my sense of identity again, becoming self-empowered again, and then surrendering and accepting you know, this is where I am. I am here. I haven't made a wrong choice. Um, I haven't stuffed it up. Um, I haven't made a mistake. It's all good. (laughs) It's all good. And, you know, after speaking to a few people who've gone through similar transitions, they actually said to me, wow, you've really like, you've kind of really bounced back like really quickly. You know, they were really surprised, like, gosh, you you really kind of like settled, Um, you know, and they would tell me about their transitions that they'd gone through and how long it took them and, you know, uh, and it sort of struck me that, oh, my gosh, we're never really kind of taught this stuff. We're really never taught how to manage change. And like you said, you know, at the very beginning of our conversation, it happens all the time. Transitions are inevitable um, and they often come with them you know, big emotions, big upheaval. And I realized that this was something really much, much bigger than me. This calling to create the gentle transition felt, you know, universal. It felt so much bigger than me and it was really channeled um, to kind of give this framework out into the world to say, hey, it doesn't have to be this hard. As you were talking, um the, one of the biggest things that, that came into my mind about change is is both the unknown and the uncertainty that comes with it, mm-hmm. which is I think that's why so many of us fear change is mm-hmm. when, you know, for example, when you're in a relationship, you kind of know what it's like or when you're living in a certain area. I mean, I was the same. I moved to the other side of Sydney and, and I, which isn't quite interstate, but it felt like it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I came here and I was like, I don't even know where my supermarket is. I don't know anyone here. I'm like where's the main street with all the shops and there was all this unknown and like when you come out of a relationship all of a sudden all the structure is gone from your life and you're like whoa what is this big empty expansive space I'm in Mm -hmm. so I think the the uncertainty and the unknown is what scares people the most around change Mm -hmm. um when you were touching on creating rituals what really came to my my mind was 
and I'd be interested in your perspective on this, I find when I'm in uncertainty or the unknown, creating ritual or structure in my own self creates certainty again and bring, brings peace. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you said your rituals create certainty. Mm. Um, and uh, Jonathan Fields actually wrote a really great book uh, called Uncertainty. And it really teaches you how to uh, deal with uncertainty. And he talks about certainty anchors. And those are those little consistent rituals that, you know, you do every day. And, and for some entrepreneurs, it might be, um, you know, every morning they go for a run. Um, I kind of feel like for, for empaths and, and the sort of sensitive souls that, you know, I'm one and I know a lot of other people who are and especially in my tribe and I'm sure in your tribe too, Connie, that um, the soothing rituals that are going to create certainty are the things that feel good and are good for you. So whether that's, um, you know, for example, uh I had a morning routine, a little ritual uh, in the days after my separation where I would wake up, I would immediately put my headphones on and um, use Meditones um, to sort of just start that day with a sense of calm and peace. And then I would journal uh, for a couple of pages, just streaming consciousness, get whatever was in my head out onto the paper. And then I would do a tarot card reading or an oracle card reading in order to really tap into that sense of intuition. Um, and that is what I did every single day for weeks and weeks and weeks, possibly months. Um, and it really helped me to cultivate um, a really practical ritual um, that created certainty throughout this very, very turbulent, uncertain time and I think what is really important to come to terms with um, is getting comfortable with that uncertainty and that's I think part of the spiritual practice is um, going the, these are the little parts of me that I can um, control and all this other stuff outside of me um, I can maybe influence, but I can't necessarily control it and everything's shifting and changing around me and I've got no safe places to land and I'm just going to come back to these little rituals and I'm going to trust that all this other stuff, this turbulent change, um, will unfold as it needs to. Mm, I think you've described that so beautifully because that's been my exact practice too mm. is when when life is like that when you're in change and different things are unfolding mm. you can't control it all it's impossible and it, it sends your mind into um, a tailspin of anxiety trying mm. to figure out how to get control of all these uncontrollable things <laughs> yeah. um, 
Yes. And I too find your, your morning ritual is very similar to mine. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredibly comforting to have that little practice that you do each morning. It doesn't have to be long or extensive or huge. For me, mm-hmm. it's the same, a little cup of tea. I turn mm-hmm. on my diffuser that has essential oils in it. And mm-hmm. those little things that, that create their emotional anchors that shift your emotional yes. state, I think. Like yes. the, the feeling of herbal tea on my lips or the smell of my diffuser it, it, it's an emotional state that I then shift into, almost like how the meditones kind of shift your brainwave. Um, I think these things shift your emotional state. Absolutely. And all of those things that you've described are very quick, they're very simple, they feel good, they're very sensual, but they're also good for you. Um, and I think that is the key with the rituals is that, you know, pleasure is really important um, to, you know, connect to ourselves, especially women, um, to connect to that kind of divine femininity, that sensuality of, you know, uh, herbal tea and essential oils and, and crystals and, um, you know, even massage. Uh, you can't get a massage every morning. I mean, well, maybe you could, but I, I don't have the time to. I wish I did. Um, but just simple little rituals um, that aren't going to deplete you over time they're those little rituals that you want to anchor into. Mm. And I also love the idea of um, I'm the same, putting in some type of audio almost instantly because I find if you wake up and mm. when you're in uncertainty or fear or grief or change, the inner critic, it can start and once oh. it gets going, like, <laughs> whoa, it's impossible to rein that thing in. So totally. it's almost like if the minute you wake up, you can whack something on your ears. I think that really uh-huh. helps. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you really have to short circuit that, um, that inner critic because, yeah, as soon as sometimes as soon as my eyes open, yes. the brain's on. <laughs> it is on. And it's really important to just kind of like take a breath, stop. You know, let's just pause for a minute, figure out what we're going to do here. Let's return to those rituals. Everybody be quiet in there. (laughs) I swear some mornings I wake up, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What has just started in my head? Get me out of here. Like, quick, Connie, let's get onto the balcony, get some fresh air and put some music in your ears. Jeez. It's good to know that we're not alone in this. Mm -mm. And isn't that the most comforting thing when we talk about this type of stuff? Someone else is like, oh, I thought I was the only one that woke up like that. And it's like, no, we all go through it. It is our shared human experience. (laughs) And that's why we meditate. That's right. Oh, Tali, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for sharing all of your personal experiences and your wisdom. And, and you know, change and transition has been such an incredible part of my life and catalyst for my own awakening. And it sounds like it has for yours as well. And, and I really hope that anyone who has been struggling a little perhaps with their own periods of change and chaos and transition will, you know, they'll find so much comfort in this. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Connie. It's been my absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Um, Really, really lovely. And um, yeah, I just really hope that um, people find healing even in our little chat. Mm. And so if people want to find out more about your uh, Metatones and also the Gentle Transition course, where Mm. can they go to and what should they do to find out about that? 
Yeah, sure. So if you want to learn about The Gentle Transition, you can just go to thegentletransition.com. Uh, and if you want to learn more about Meditones, you can go to sonessence.com, which is spelled S-O-N-E-S-E-N-C-E. Mm, and I'll pop links below this episode as well. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned in today. I hope that you have found some support and guidance and comfort in this conversation. And I look forward to chatting to you next time. See you.